welcome to Curious Church Podcasts. Which episode is this? <laughs> We're back. Uh, episode five? Whoa. Wow. So wow. for our probably 10, 10 listeners. Yeah. Actually, we, I think we have a few more than that. 12? A few more. Yeah. Something <laughs> like that. Well, you know, if you're a listener and um, if you're one of our something like 40 listeners, I, is, that, is that kind of where we're at? Anyways, if you're one of our 40 listeners, you're on the ground floor of something pretty amazing here. <laughs> I mean, you could be one of those people that said, I was listening to them back back when they started, back when it like wasn't very good. Or you could be one of those people who's like, I was listening to this podcast. Have you ever heard of it? And then the other person just says, no. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it stopped a few years ago. Yeah. Well, it's not easy being in something from the beginning, you know. There's You have to suffer with us a little yeah. bit. That's yeah. right. And we That's know right. you are. Yeah. We know you're suffering. So if you're one of our 40 uh, sufferers, fellow <laughs> long sufferers, then uh, welcome. And if you're new to this podcast, we hope you love it. Mm. We hope you enjoy it very much. I know mm. we have a good time sitting around in this room, so... Hey, uh, we're going to do a little bit of introductions here. So I'm Sam Gutierrez. I'm a pastor of spiritual formation. Aaron Antone, uh, music director. I'm Matt Timms, worship coordinator here at Granite Springs. And uh, yeah. What are we going to We are going to talk about worship. This is what today. we do. Yeah, that's true. We got worship on the docket. So we're going to have a bit of a conversation about uh, maybe a, not so much what worship is, but some of the things that are distinctive about this place that are uh, we think helpful and some things maybe we can discuss and disagree about. We'll see. So we have no, no special guests today. <laughs> which... We're all special. Let's do a segment. Okay, let's do, segment. Let's, let's do one. I like chicken and turkey with cheddar. I like a tofu burger, but bacon is better. So what's your beef? My beef has to do with my email inbox, and I think, I don't know what your guys' inboxes look like, but mine has a bunch of emails from various companies, uh, promotional items, newsletters, okay, things like I probably at one point signed up for, okay, I recognize that. I recognize they have the right to send me something if I've given them my email, although an asterisk on that, I don't always... <laughs> Just keep going. Just keep going. What's the problem? What's happening? My beef is with... It's changed now. It's with Sam Gutierrez. <laughs> New beef. New beef. Fresh beef. Ah, <laughs> uh, fresh Co-host of the giggles is the new beef. <laughs> okay. All right. But an asterisk on that, one of the interesting things about my name, it's kind of common, uh, particularly in England. And so sometimes I get signed up for things uh, that I never signed up for. Recently, I got spammed with password reset requests for oh. match.co.uk because <laughs> this one Matt Timms in the UK was desperately trying to get into his match.com profile. And I didn't know what to do. Eventually, I realized I could actually view his profile because it was sending me links to go and reset the password. But right. that means that he he used your email. Right. He created the account with my email because why just, wouldn't he create his, use his own email? Well, so you were that, there first I, with Matt I, Tim's I, at Gmail or whatever. That, well, we're not going to say what my email is, but yes, yeah, something is it like that? that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I think sometimes people either leave off something or make some kind of typo that ends up, or they're going too quickly, 
or you know they have another email and mine yeah. happens to be Gmail. So it happens periodically. But my real beef is not with that because that was kind of a funny situation. My re- my real beef is with how difficult. I, feel, I don't think it's funny. This poor guy's just looking for love. Well, I mean, I support him, but the fact that I suddenly could potentially have complete power over his profile, <laughs> like I could have reset. It's a good his thing password. you're not sinister. I could have reset his password and done whatever I wanted, yeah. which is kind of scary. Um, my real beef, though, is with how hard it can be to unsubscribe. Yeah. From especially these like promotional company ones. I get one from the UK that's like. Brantano, I'm looking at you, Brantano. I have unsubscribed from that thing multiple times. I don't even know what it is. Maybe a shoe store or something? And it just (laughs) keeps showing up in my inbox. And I don't understand how that is. Especially when you go in, you unsubscribe, and then they say, this will take effect in 7 to 14 days. How? Maybe maybe one of our listeners can explain to me. (laughs) Why does it take 7 to 14 days to get my email off of your list? Shouldn't that... I mean... I live in the 21st century. This it seems like it should be instantaneous. But it's the worst when I go in, take care of it, and then it keeps coming. That's I, really the hard. I agree. Thing. I only have enough energy to unsub- like unsubscribe one time. Yeah. And then if you start taking more seconds out of my life. Probably be. because they don't really think you're serious when you first do it. They're like, our product is awesome. Why is this guy unsubscribing? <laughs> he must be making a mistake. He's accident. having a bad day. It was day. an accident. Yeah, now, yeah. Let's give him another four tries. <laughs> That's why ex-listeners of this podcast still keep having this podcast showing up in, if in you've their subs- app. If you've subscribed to this podcast, I'm sorry. You <laughs> will forever get this podcast. We will never we listen. We set the threshold of 5,000 unsubscribes in order to stop getting the podcast. If we do get it unsubscribed, I don't think we actually have the power over that. No, I think don't. iTunes no, does. That, that but was, if we did, we would joke. never unsubscribe anyone. Yeah. We would force them always to just <laughs> have their phone fill up with our archive. Yeah. Forced beef. What's your beef, Sam? Okay, my beef is, um, so I brought in my car uh, to get my airbag changed. So I have a Honda CRV. So I brought it into the dealership. Why did you have to get your airbag changed? Uh, there was a recall, a recall on, the, on okay. the airbag. So anyways. Because <laughs> I got in an accident. It was just flopping around <laughs> yeah. and I was driving. <laughs> <laughs> no, so so I brought it in and um, and that went all that went okay. That was easy. But then the, like two weeks later, I got an email from the Honda dealership saying, uh, when your car was in, we noticed that you needed new brakes. Ooh. So I'm like, oh, that's, really, that's like that's really weird because I don't tell you at first. Like, yeah, because I don't think I really needed new brakes. But then you're getting something from the from the dealership that it's saying that you. you and then you got, I got I got another one like two weeks later. That Unsubscribe. Says, well, it was like it was almost <laughs> like you need to get your. It was more kind of like emphatic mm. about me getting my brakes checked. Hmm. And I thought, oh, this is kind of weird. So I thought about bringing it into the dealer, but then I thought, no, I'm gonna go get my oil changed at this place. And when I get it changed, I'm going to have them look at the brakes. Just do like, because they do free brake inspection. Uh-oh. And so they did it. They changed the oil. And they said, yeah, when we had your car up on the thing, we looked at your brakes. And your back brakes are at 90%. Like you have 90% left. And your front brakes are like 60% left. Like hmm. that's how much. So so obviously, I did not need a brake change. What do you, <laughs> What do you need? What's the minimum you need on the brakes? Well, zero. One. I don't know. One. <laughs> one percent. One. We need a mechanic in the room. Okay. Anyways, so I just did. It's like one of those things where it's like I don't have the ability. Like you have to take your wheels off to check the brakes, and I I'm not gonna do that. So it's one of those things where it's like, and that's one of those things that if like the brake situation freaks people out. So it's almost like, mm. and it's just not hard to do shit. But I know other places can do this where it's like it's like one of those fear things like oh you got to get your brakes changed i can't mm-hmm. check that 
but it mm. but it's kind of an alarming like you know piece of information so i'm sure that lots of people go get their brakes changed when actually they probably have high, half the life left or more on their brakes mm. so that's just kind of that's a beef in our first episode, we said that one of the things we want to be doing here is kind of asking questions about church, the strange things in church. Um, and so when it comes to worship, today we want to talk less about sort of the specific, sort of give a definition of what worship is, but more talk about some of the qualities of it, um, some of the qualities that maybe we've experienced here, but also that we think are really helpful to think through as we kind of think through what does worship mean? What does worship look like in a congregational setting? I think it'd be, can I back Go up ahead. for a second? Cause yeah. I think it would be interesting to like the average person in the congregation who I think it's helpful for them to know how much thought goes into the, the smallest elements of a worship service. Right. Um, because there's, there are lots of conversations and, um, lots of lots of tweaking, lots of thought and planning that go into what happens on Sunday morning. And I think I think some people who kind of kind of come to church just kind of that's not on their radar, which is fine. I think kind of um, what, what's genuine about worship and what's um, well structured and intentional about worship can still seep into those people. Yeah, um, I like to think that people are also kind of noticing things and they're noticing patterns mm-hmm. and they're noticing. Um, things that are really intentional about a service. So. Yeah, in some sense, like this podcast is an invitation to pause and say, okay, church has all these things it usually does, regardless of whether you're here at Grand Springs or you're at another church. Your church has things that you do uh, kind of all the time. And so these are opportunities to pause and say, wait, why, why do we do that? Mm-hmm. What are the benefits? What are the drawbacks? Um, to have those kinds of conversations. So the one I wanted to start us on, a, a certain quality of worship, and I think it's it's an interesting one because it's not present everywhere, is that worship uh, can be, and I think is maybe best when it's slow. Uh, I'm sitting here with Aaron, who's often plays the drums. So I, I'm not talking about the actual pace of songs or anything like that. Um, but I'm talking about a way of approaching worship. And in some sense, this even goes back to our conversation with Jay Wilson in our last episode, sort of a spaciousness in worship where we recognize that worship forms people not sort of in a sort of a lightning strike moment, although we're thrilled and excited when that happens, but that the real formation work of worship, because I think those go hand in hand, worship and formation, happens really actually pretty slowly over time. And so what what we want to do in worship as leaders of worship and as participants in worship is recognize that and be able to begin to enter into it, not as something that, oh, this Sunday morning has to completely change my life, otherwise it's a waste of time. But I'm entering into these sorts of conversations, maybe these year-long, decade-long, I mean, really, we're talking about millennia-old conversations. And as I find myself in that, I begin to be formed. I'd be curious what you guys think about kind of that framing of this idea of slow worship. I think worship is um, should be kind of an exercise in persistence. Mm. Um, and when you when you think just kind of to that point, to your point, Matt, like you, um, we're not we're not looking for like um, rapid fire life changing moments. But when you look at kind of the the, the life our lifespan and how much time we spend uh, worshiping. Uh, or singing, 
or um, saying a creed together, mm-hmm. those kind of things that can only be like an hour out of your week. But if it's kind of slowly part of your this week and next week and the next week and you know fifty weeks this year and mm-hmm. um, over the course of the years, those things I think can add up to create and solidify uh, a piece of a. Uh, a worshiper's life that's not just on Sunday morning, but that kind of pervades um, their lives as a whole. So we're kind of talking about kind of long-term kind of patterns or habits or practices that end up shaping us slowly over time. Right. Do you know anything about spiritual formation, Sam? Well, (laughs) I might know a few things. (laughs) That's an interesting, like how those things, just as we're having this conversation kind of come together accidentally, but I think they're... um, intertwined sort of inevitably. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of a whole movement out there of, and this is a bit older now, but this whole kind of idea of slow, slow this, slow that. So mm-hmm. I think it started with slow food, yeah. right? This idea right. Of, of slowing down, kind of paying attention to actually where food comes from, growing the food, preparing the food, savoring the food when it's time to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that feels, the whole slow movement, I think feels... Uh, refreshing to people it feels they feel more connected to their food and to each other and to the moment of of actually eating the food savoring it but i think when you apply the term slow worship you know slow to worship slow worship i think automatically people think oh that sounds boring right (laughs) yeah so that's kind of interesting when you apply it so people don't think oh i really want to savor these moments, even the quiet moments in between kind of different movements in a worship service, maybe where there is a little bit of silence mm-hmm. where someone's walking up to a mic or something. It's like we have, we get anxious about worship and mm-hmm. we get anxious about those moments and we get anxious about slowness. Yeah. And I think some of this too is about our tendencies to think of our faith in terms of sort of um, punctuation points, right? Or like key moments. Like when we share sort of our testimony, like we, often uh, or maybe the prototypical you know christian testimony is about these sort of moments in which god met you and then it's sort of you can skip over years and years and years and then there's there's the next moment where god met you and then you skip over and i think in some sense what i'm saying here about worship is it pushes back on that tendency to say actually the formation happens slowly and sometimes we get sort of those graced moments which are wonderful and things to delight in and enjoy but a lot of the time it's showing up and yeah, like Aaron was saying, saying a creed, maybe even that we don't entirely understand because it sort of starts to get inside of you. Uh, it's been interesting. We say often uh, the Apostles' Creed here at Grant Springs and without making any personal effort to memorize it, I've started to realize, oh, I, I know this creed now. Like I, mm-hmm. I can get maybe 80, 90%. And I've made absolutely no effort to kind of internalize it. But just from the practice of being in a congregation that says it regularly and that engages with it, it starts to kind of get get inside of you. And then mm-hmm. those phrases start coming up in other ways that are really helpful. So some of it's even just the way we think about our faith in the first place, I think pushes back on this kind of, okay, you're asking me to think about my formation in worship over a year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> seems like a pretty high order. I think that touches on how we at Granite Springs value, and I think a lot of churches could benefit from this because we value memorization and and not as a way to like be in Sunday school and you need to do this and you need to memorize, you need to memorize, but it is a way to put 
um, by repetition or however it works for you to put things into your heart and into your mind that um, just by kind of doing them over and over again. I wondered if we, I wonder if we can talk about some um, of the like practical ways, like examples yeah. of how worship can be slow mm. um, if we presented enough of an argument that it's a good thing. <laughs> but I was, I, I wanted to kind of lead with this idea. Um, so on Sunday we sang uh, Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. And then there's a song kind of immediately following that. <clears throat> Um, and it, and I wanted to leave, I wanted to leave some space after that was song was done to kind of literally be still. And it probably ended up only, you know, how silence in a worship service, like two mm. seconds can feel like five minutes. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to have, I wanted to leave a little bit of space there. I'm not sure it worked. I think people are just kind of like looking around, waiting for the next thing. Mm. Um, but that would be that would be one thing that we could be maybe more intentional about and do better is to have space and, and comfortable space for silence in services. So that's just one, one thought. I think I'll go ahead. Sam. Well, I just like that idea of, you know, I've been, I've only been to one church service my whole life where the worship leaders, the worship planners actually created intentional space for silence. Mm. And I think, you know, I think if I can remember right, they placed it after the sermon. So it's like, you've just been like, you've just heard a lot of words mm. basically. And it's like, how do we not only encourage people to digest all that after the service is over, but immediately after the sermon, maybe we create, you know, two or three minutes of just kind of reflection upon what we've just heard, mm -hmm. where we just invite people to reflect on the message right then, right there. But there's a lot of churches that are just, and, and, you know, we don't do this super great either, is actually creating that kind of reflective moments in the worship service where we're really intentional about it. I right. mean, someone could reflect on their own sure. in mm -hmm. between a movement or something like that. But I just wonder as worship leaders, how important it is, is it for us to say, you know, the silence is just as important as the music, the noise. Maybe, yeah, maybe music, can... noise, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to equate those two. <laughs> maybe I can jump in here because, in some sense, I think we're talking about kind of two different levels of slowness. There's sort of actually the pacing of our services, right? Um, which I think is where this sort of silence and having space and kind of bringing in a, like a reflective attitude potentially to worship is really helpful. But then there's also this level in which we're talking of like, this sort of slow philosophy of like life change, right? So the idea that each week uh, it's not fire and brimstone and like uh, it's not a revival each week because actually formation doesn't tend to happen in the long term that way. Uh, what happens is you kind of go uh, through your week like we all do, and there are various points in which hopefully there's resonances with what you've experienced on Sunday or in, in other ways connected with Christ and his church that then kind of pop up. And that's, that's then the moment of applying that formation. It strikes me, so I think silence is really helpful for sort of the pacing practice. But I think uh, when it comes to sort of the bigger philosophy, like when we're talking about practical things, part of it is just show up be there, which I think is actually increasingly countercultural for people who 
either want like a payoff, like I'm like it's transactional, right? Like so much of our lives are transactional. So the stuff is hard really in some respects because we're trained this way. So like I give you some money and you give me what I want, which is that a certain kind of experience. And obviously the church isn't kind of the same sort of marketplace, but often we can approach it in that way, right? Or uh, sort of a microwave mentality, like uh, let me throw this in the microwave and get it quickly. I mean, slow. this idea of slow worship as not just how we pace our services, but really how we move and experience formation pushes back on all of that, which is uncomfortable. But one way is to just keep showing keep showing up. up even when you don't want to yeah. even when it's raining or you were out too late last night yeah um i read a tweet i think this was from rachel held evans but she said um this morning my act of faithfulness i was talking about a sunday morning was just showing up and taking eucharist like that's that's all she could manage but like that was sort of an act of faithfulness and i think there's some real truth to that because i think everyone kind of interacts right so not there are some people who are going to love music and worship and that just resonates and does something for them spiritually it lifts them up some people who just love a really well-crafted sermon and then there's some people for whom kind of none of it really jives and for all of us i think there are sunday mornings where we're just tired Mm -hmm. right and just fatigued and kind of (laughs) none of it's going to do anything for us even if it's the most amazing uh, you know, song set or amazing prayers or amazing sermon. Um, but there's a sense in which you just show up and you hear the words again and you sing the songs again and they start to do something to you. Yeah. I mean, part of it, I mean, I like what you're saying, Matt. And I think part of it is sometimes I use this phrase of like, um, I need to become more fully a Christian. Mm. And it's like, I think sometimes we live in multiple stories And one of the stories that we inhabit is the Christian story, but we also live the American story. And we're kind of doing both. And sometimes the call is to become really a Christian and then to fully throw ourselves into that story and the practices of that story and the shaping power of that story. And so sometimes it means simply like, I need to be, I need to more fully invest myself in this story, take the long view of it and let it kind of, um, let its hands over time kind of shape me and form me. So part of it is just like, you know, coming to, we don't want to equate becoming a Christian with going to a worship service. So we don't want to draw that necessarily, but it's like, why not show up more often? Mm -hmm. Why not more fully invest yourself in your local congregation? Why not more fully join a small group. I mean, mm-hmm. fully live into that Christian story and all its practices and all that it's offering you. And not just those certain things, but the beliefs too. So whenever we're having a bad day, the call is really to become a Christian, right. to hold on to the hope that mm-hmm. we have, to realize that life is full of meaning. So, yeah. And I mean, I think it's worth saying, like, that's hard. Oh, yeah. Right? Because, like, even if you just parse out, like, the time, the time that you're invited into the other story, whether we call it an American story or some kind of cultural story or these, right, other liturgies, like I've heard them called, like, it's just a massive amount of time. I go and I spend eight hours at my job. Now, I'm actually in a Christian environment, but my work sometimes pushes a culture on me that is not Christian, right, of sort of 
fundamental efficiency mm-hmm. uh, and sort of careerism and orientation towards success. Uh, it's not that those things are um, uh, not good things necessarily, but sort of the, the reorientation that can happen where I orient myself towards those things as sort of final goods mm-hmm. uh, can happen so easily. And I spend eight hours a day in this place and then I spend an hour and a half in, in church yeah. on Sunday, you know. Uh, it, these things are these things are hard. And so I think part of this conversation, I would hope, you know, well, if you're listening to it, is just it's an invitation to be curious about why why do I go to church? What what does that do? Or why do I not go to church? What what am I expecting from church? Mm. Um, I think as we begin to ask those questions, we can kind of get at some of what are our expectations? How are those being met or not being met? Why do I have those expectations? I need to ask myself those same questions. It's almost like there's a necessary disappointment that has to happen with yeah, church. Like <laughs> you know, it's like you shouldn't be afraid of that in yourself, and worship planners and leaders shouldn't be afraid of that from their people. There's kind of a... What, what do you mean necessary disappointment? Church is not perfect. It will let you down. It's full of people. It's full of people. It's not foul. perfect, and it's not meant to be everything to you. It right. can't fulfill all your needs. It can't always give you that high and god will let you down too in that sense like he's not there to always give you that buzz or that excitement Mm -hmm. or that word of inspiration i mean we're always open to those experiences we come with open hearts we come with expectation but god will move how he wants to move and all we can do is be receptive to that. So in worship, you know, we bring that openness, we bring that receptivity, we bring that surrendered spirit. And sometimes we're disappointed. Just nothing. Just yeah. walk back to our cars. <laughs> yeah. um, being, but we yeah. were there. Yeah. And we came with an open heart. And that's something. And we also don't know what God has done with us in the, on those days either that we don't even know about right. in terms yeah. of other people's lives or other people's experiences. So, Matt, after this conversation, yeah. how can we. How can we feel more persistent? How can we slow down our worship, whether it's Sunday morning or kind of our sure. our worship throughout throughout the week? I mean, I think a huge part of it is just realizing um, we're not instantaneous people. You know, we're not microwave people. I don't think we work like that. I think even just if when we remember that, it both gives a lot more like you can kind of relax, right? Like you don't mm-hmm. have to come to Sunday morning and be incredibly inspired or you don't have, you can sit through a Sunday or th- sit through a small group and it's kind of, that's okay this week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of okay this week. Uh, but that we continue to engage. I think what Sam said about open hearts is really the key to this, right? Like we recognize we don't have to be in a rush uh, because God is meeting us constantly where we are and uh, is drawing us along. So just remembering that. You know what, guys? What? I think it's time for a segment. What segment? Pay attention. Be astonished. Tell about it. Sam, can you lead us off? Yeah. Um, you know, mine was just this. Uh, it was last week, and I was going throughout my day. I had a, I had a day that was filled with a bunch of stuff. And um, it was early in the, it was in the morning when I was doing one of my first things. I was teaching this, um, I was doing this class over here at this university. I do a spiritual formation 
group. And I was sitting in my car before the class started. So I was just, I just gotten there, pulled into a parking spot, was sitting in my car. And I just had this moment, maybe you guys have had this before, where you just kind of wake up to the moment. So normally this is how it often goes. We're on automatic pilot. It's like, we're not, we're thinking, but not, not thinking deeply, or there isn't this kind of um, awareness about what we're doing. Maybe this isn't true of you, but it's often true of me yeah. where it's like, I got to do this and I got to do this. And then it's like, I kind of know how to do these things. So I kind of go on an automatic mm -hmm. pilot mode, but I was sitting in my car and I just kind of, I just had this moment of like almost clarity or awareness when, every, when things kind of got more expansive and deeper. And it's like, all of a sudden I noticed like the quality of the sunlight and I noticed some leaves blowing you know, on the sidewalk. And I just thought, wow, today's really a beautiful day. Mm. Um, so it's like, it's for those beautiful, like, and you can't have those moments all the time, but I think part of growing in the Christian life is taking those moments and trying to stretch them out. Mm. Um, but but they, they truly are gifts when we can wake up in those little moments and all of a sudden kind of have a new kind of clarity about whatever it is that's right in front of us. So... That's my Oliverism. I love that. That's great. Mine is uh, uh, somewhat historical. We Ooh. last weekend we were um, up in the Tahoe area, uh, Truckee, which is near Donner Lake and Donner Pass, mm -hmm. where a famous, infamous kind of event occurred. Right, an unfortunate, an unfortunate, yes. Uh, Every every summer or so, I start reading uh, "Roughing It" by Mark Twain, and I don't get all the way through. And I start and I, sometimes I start over, but it's it's uh, such an interesting uh, story about how like the world seems, especially sort of as Americans, the things seem pretty small to us now. So um, we can leave, we can drive home from Tahoe in an hour and a half, and we can leave at night or whatever and just get in our comfortable car and listen to some music and we're home in a mm -hmm. short amount of time. And you think about like, well, 150 years ago, that would be like a, a week long journey and you can only travel at certain times and the weather would impede you. Mm. Um, so I, I, so every time we're near, we like to go to Donner Lake, which is a pretty little lake. And just like yards away is where they think like one of the camps was where there's just this enormous human suffering that's almost incomprehensible. Um, and there's jet skis now, you know, and the kids are playing in the water with their sand toys. And, uh, and you know, things are named Donner. So you're just kind of constantly reminded that there's this, there's this um, dark and super sad history that's going on there. And then we are so far removed from it in time because we're just so comfortable. And now it's a place of recreation as opposed to a place of suffering. Um, and then we just just come home and everything is, is okay. And so I like that. I like that idea. I'm astonished by the idea um, that we are uh, close to history, but so far from it at the same time. Hmm. And if you're unfamiliar with that story, just look up Donner Party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that too. Um, mine is uh, driving home after work when it's dark. So we talked last time about daylight savings and there was audible groans. Uh, but one of the benefits for me is I like coming out of the office and it's kind of dusk, 
Twilight. And it's kind of one of those, it kind of stills me. Like, I can have been having a crazy day, and if I come out, it's just starting to get dark. It's just a pause. And it's like there's a, I think it's for me, there's a noticeable break in my day then. Sometimes, like, if I go home, especially in the summer, it's sort of if I go home, I continue to work. Like, the, you know, you just kind of switch projects. But when there's just that noticeable pause, it's like, oh, the work day's over. And even if I'm going to go home and have some projects that I need to work on, it's like, okay, kind of a moment of pause, kind of like what you were talking about, Sam. And the sun's setting around that time, because often I'm at work till about five. So sun setting right at that time kind of does that for me in, a, in an astonishing way. Well, thank you, everyone. This is the Curious Church Podcast. I'm Sam. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. And thanks for being curious with us. See you next time.